Very good morning to you. Welcome to Brighton Road. Delighted to see you here. Thank you to those of you who are joining us online. We gather in the name of Jesus Christ to worship God. We are aware that we are in his presence, that his steadfast love and goodness are with us. I'm sorry to, to announce that a, a long-standing member of this church, Margaret Bird, died last week peacefully uh, in a sleep at Skylark. Uh, she served this church faithfully for many, many years. She was, you were always in her heart, and I know she's been in your hearts as well. Uh, but as Paul says, she's now with Christ, which is far better. And so do pray for her sons as they come to terms with the loss and begin to plan and prepare for her funeral. So let's spend a moment in quiet. Well, we thank you for Margaret. We bless you for her faithfulness to you and to us. And thank you that she's at rest in your presence. We commend her to you. And we commend her boys to you as well. May they know your comfort, your peace, and your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our call to worship this morning is taken from Psalm 104. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles. He who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. My, my, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. And our opening song is taken from the words of that psalm. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. Stand to sing.
the splendour of the King, we lift up our hearts in worship to praise his majesty and rejoice in his goodness. The splendour of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let us rejoice in God, our Lord and Saviour, our Creator and our King, the splendour of the King. Lord, you are great. We praise your great name for your inexhaustible goodness. Your energy never runs out. Your well of love never runs dry. Your grace never goes stale. Your word is always alive and fresh and life-giving. So, Lord, we thank you for being our strength, 
Thank you, Jesus, for being our Saviour. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our Comforter. Amen. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. continue in worship using the words of Psalm 67. It's a responsive reading if you'd like to join in the words in yellow. God be merciful to us and bless us. Look on us with kindness so that the whole world may know your will, so that all nations may know your salvation. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy because you judge the peoples with justice and guide every nation on earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. The land has produced its harvest. God, our God, has blessed us. God has blessed us. May people everywhere honour him. God is God of the whole world. 
today, the, the, we've been asked to remember the BMS as a BMS World Day of Prayer. We're going to be praying for BMS workers next week. Our theme today is kind of uh, bread and food and gluttony. I wanted to tailor the service a bit more closely around that. But we are going to see some workers from around the world who work for Baptist Mission praying the Lord's Prayer, either in English or in their own language. So I invite you in your hearts to join with them as we, we pray the Lord's Prayer with people from around the world. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as in heaven. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. 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 Give us today our daily bread. Michael's brought some daily bread in for me. They're all from a bakery, so it kind of counts as bread, I think. Donuts, turnovers. Yeah, Danish style buns, apple lattice. Chocolate. I'm going to be enjoying this later on today. And, my good fortune, Sue was sorting stuff out from Christingle, and there are these heart-shaped sweets, there are these rather juicy jelly sweets and, and marshmallows. So much to gorge on. The pastry's actually for this afternoon, uh, and uh, it's an opportunity for people new to church to come and meet Mike and myself and share some pastries. If people don't come, we will eat them together, and that'll be fine. It won't be all for me. I will share them with him, because he bought them after all. Um, but, daily bread. How much food do we need? What kind of food do we eat? Who here has a favourite kind of food? Anyone willing to own up? Yeah, Rebecca. Chocolate. And how, can we ask, dare we ask, how much chocolate? I mean, I wonder how many of these could I eat before I became a glutton? How much chocolate, can we, dare we ask how much chocolate you eat? <laughs> too much, too much. Do, Michael, kiwi fruit. kiwi fruit, and do you eat lots and lots of kiwi fruit? If you can do, if, if we can get it, we like it, um, is it Blaze? Domino's Meat Feast. Sorry? Domino's Meat Feast. Okay, Domino's Meat Feast, okay. Can you manage one of those single-handed? You can, but, but do you? I've done it once. You've done it once. Okay. How many people would put their hands up and say, actually, if there's, there's favourite food here in vast quantities, I will happily gorge on it more than I should? Yeah, yeah. Some, some of us are honest. The rest of us have vast quantities of self-control. Well, I applaud you for that. Um, can we have the first, the first PowerPoint up? If, if you had, if your favourite food was jam cakes, would you eat them as much as you possibly could in your own body weight, if possible? Or would you actually, no, this, this is bad for me, I'm going to stop now. The trouble is, our brain likes the food that we like. 
If we're really enjoying it, the brain says, this is brilliant. So the brain takes its time to tell the rest of the body, actually, you've had enough now. The brain says, I'm enjoying this so much, Let, let's go with this as long as we can. And often, by the time we think, I've had enough now, we've actually had a bit too much. Because our brain misleads us, because it enables us to enjoy what we have quite so much. That's why it's always good, technical advice here, to stop eating while you want a little bit more. Because we always want more than we need, and sometimes we want more than is good for us. So the next slide, please. Don't, don't be like Augustus Gloop, who came to a sticky end in the chocolate factory when he fell into the chocolate river. Enjoy the good things God has given you, but don't binge on them. It's one of the paradoxes. That if you can have too much of a good thing, and if you have too much of a good thing, it becomes bad for you. Nothing inherently wrong with chocolate, or Domino's meat feasts, or kiwi fruits. But they become bad if we overindulge. So if God gives you more than you need, enjoy it. But learn to say, no, I've had enough now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you bless us with good things. Thank you that food is delicious and enjoyable. Thank you that we live in a part of the world where there is more than enough. Help us to recognise what we need and not overindulge when we have more than we need. Help us to honour you by what we eat and how we eat it. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're going upstairs, have a fantastic time upstairs. There will, I think, be biscuits and things upstairs at some point in the morning, but don't overindulge on them, okay? The rest of you, I'm afraid, have to sit here and look at this. This is not going to be available for consumption during the service. But if you're going upstairs to BRBK, God bless you. Have a great time up there. And if you're staying, let's stand together and we'll sing God of Mercy, God of Grace.
please sit down. You may wonder why I'm thinking with you about food uh, this morning. If you've been with us during January, you'll know that we started the year by looking at the four cardinal virtues. We looked at courage and self-control and justice and something else that eludes me just at the moment. can't remember. If I can't remember it, you don't stand the chance, do you? Uh, but we looked at four different cardinal virtues. And, and for Lent, starting now running up to Easter, we're going to be looking at the seven deadly sins, just reflecting on the things that somehow sometimes drive us more than they should. And the first thing we're going to be looking at today is the, is the deadly sin of gluttony, which is why we have the kind of food theme to the service. And, and Helen Kalgarno is going to come and talk to us about the community fridge, because one of the issues we grapple with in our country is we have excess food that goes to waste, and the community fridge is something that helps prevent that happening. So Helen, bless you. Over to you. Um, a hymn about God of mercy and God's grace, both freely given. And this is what I'd like to talk to you about this morning, a Horsham community fridge. Can I ask how many here have heard of it? Well, that's good. How many have actually been along to the session? Not many. I wonder if, like some people I've spoken to about the community fridge, that you think this is only for people who are struggling to feed their families. I can assure you it isn't. As the name applies, it's for the community. The reason behind the scheme is simply to reduce the shocking statistic of hundreds of tonnes of perfectly edible food being sent by the supermarkets to landfill sites because the date restrictions on the produce has been reached and they cannot sell it. The result is the creation of tons of unwelcome and harmful greenhouse gases which are released into the atmosphere. With the introduction of the community fridge scheme, good food that would be um, sent to landfill is now collected by volunteers from the local supermarkets, checked prior to each session and given away. There is no charge to anybody. Chris and I attended an eco-fair run by Horsham District Council in Park House last year when we first heard about the Horsham Community Fridge. Since then, we've been going to the Tuesday session at the London Road Methodist Church, which runs from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And could I have the photo, first one? And here's a photo of what Chris came home with one Tuesday morning. The church also has a Thursday afternoon session, which runs from 1 till 2. To help those really struggling to pay for food, they have the pick during the first 20 minutes of every session, and after that it's open to everyone. On offer, there are some frozen foods, fresh vegetables, herbs, 
fruit, pastries, loaves of bread and bread rolls. Very often there are also buckets and buckets of flowers. In the last four years, the community fridge has saved over 600 tonnes of good food being sent to landfill. So how about coming along to the community fridge session? You would be not only benefiting from free food, but stopping, or at least reducing, the shocking reality of tonnes of food being sent to landfill. If you feel uneasy about taking something for nothing, then there's always the option to make a donation to, say, Horsham Matters and their food bank or any other charity of your choosing. Can I have the second photo, please? This poster gives details. It's not very clear, but uh, that's, that's another. That's the, their poster about the... Um, the community fridge sessions, the, um, the Tuesday and the Thursday one, plus the Green Hubs, which are the Saturday venues and are on the first, second, third and last Saturdays. Further information is on the Fair Divide website, which is also at the, the bottom of the uh, leaflet here. And you can collect one of these in a smaller version for me after the service if you're interested. Finally, I'd like you to picture, if you can, the over 600 tonnes of food that I mentioned earlier that's been saved from going to landfill sites. How big a pile would this be? There is a solution to food waste in Horsham. The question is, Will you be part of it? Helen, thank you so much for sharing that. There is something seriously wrong with a system that sees hundreds of tonnes of good food sent to landfill on a regular basis. That is just when other people don't have enough to eat, it's crazy. This is one really good way of addressing that so thank you for raising its profile and making us aware of it bless you thank you as helen said this isn't for people who struggle to make ends meet this is just to make the best use of the resources that we have you save money and food doesn't get wasted go and make the most of it but also there are people in horsham who do struggle uh, to make ends meet and horsham matters runs a food bank um, and uh, Trussell Trust kind of manage food banks nationally. And uh, Andrew or Jessica, is it Andrew? Is going to come and lead us in prayer for a uh, food bank based on a sets of prayers by Trussell Trust. We're going to keep thinking about this ministry uh, to people who might struggle to make ends meet. So bless you both. Thank you very much indeed. Sorry, we take longer than we used to. So we come to a, a time of prayer. A few days ago... Um, Jessica and I were sitting in a rest, local restaurant in Horsham and we thought just how privileged we are to be sitting there with all this food around us. Um, I don't know that everyone was speaking uh, uh, the sin of, of, of uh, uh, sorry, I can't think of the word I want, gluttony, that's the one, yeah. But um, there were certainly a lot of people that looked as if they needn't eat quite so much. 
And uh, we sat there and we thought, we've got all this, and there are millions and millions of people around the world um, who are still living with poverty and hunger. And as we heard earlier, even some in, in this country don't know where their next meal is coming from. Now, the Trussell Trust, and I, it's a new one on me, I've never heard of the Trussell Trust before, but it's spelled T-R-U-S-S-E-L-L, Trussell Trust, that uh, Tim mentioned. And they support something like 1,200 uh, food banks around the country. And the trustees of the trust have sent a message to churches to say, to this end, we invite you and your church to pray with us at this crucial time. Now, there are four sections to the prayers they've suggested, and at the end of each one, I shall say, God of, and the first one is God of generosity. And so that you can join in with it, can you say the words, may your kingdom come? So when I say God of generosity, I want to say, may your kingdom come. So let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you for the many ways in which you do provide for us, for our food, our families, friendships, our homes, our health, and for the ways in which you enable us to use our time and talents in your service. But Lord, we recognize that even in our church and the organizations connected, there are some who still need love and care and support. God of generosity, may your kingdom come. Lord, we pray for people in our community who are facing unemployment and money worries, ill health and isolation, and especially for families who do not have enough money to enable them to eat today. We pray for loving support and practical provision and a real sense of hope for the future. God of compassion, may your kingdom come. Lord, we thank you that you call us to play our part, working with you to bring about change. We pray for our Prime Minister and members of Parliament that you will give them courage to develop policies and systems that will support all members of our society so that even in these challenging times, people will not go hungry, but all will be treated with dignity. God of justice, may your kingdom come. And Lord, we pray for all who are serving and caring for others at this time, including the Trussell Trust, for the food bank in Horsham, and for the community fridge that we have just heard about, and our own Saturday kitchen in this church. <clears throat> we pray also for other local churches and charities involved in this work, for Horsham District Council, and especially for our fellow member, David Skip, Chairman of the Council as they work to support the needy members of our society, we pray that you will give them strength and the ability to persevere in your name. 
God of love, may your kingdom come. Amen. Our Bible reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and it's the whole chapter, 1 to 20. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel as they approach the promised land. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will be become proud, and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that you in the end might go, it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have reduced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods 
and worship and bow down to them. I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed, like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Let's stand and sing together. Um, Father, hear the prayer we offer. Not for ease, that prayer shall be. Please sit down. The other day I took an old book from off of my shelves. It's a book on bioethics, uh, written in 2000. And bioethics is a fast-changing science. The book is well and truly out of date. I wanted to look up you know, to what extent being human is wrapped up with, with our brains and to explore that and to refresh my memory of what the book said. But the world has changed enormously since this book was published in 2000. It talks about how consumers have enjoyed a huge increase in the range and quality of the food available to us, with real decreases in food prices. And how the variety and the freshness of the choice in every supermarket can simply be taken for granted. And we accept and expect an ever-increasingly wide change of choice of foods at ever-decreasing Prices. Those were the days, eh? The year 2000, all that optimism when it just seemed this was like how it was going to be forever because we cracked the economic problems of the world. But now the era of cheap food in the UK has passed and, uh, you know, the choice isn't what it used to be and we're kind of counting the cost. Can we afford this? It surged up 
in recent months. And we read about the new requirement of a veterinary check on food and plant products imported from the EU that's come into force, and that will likely make food even more expensive. There's talk of imports being delayed for up to 14 hours at the border while the checks are made. And the consignments are signed off by vets, and their going rates can be as high as £100 an hour for doing so. So those of us who love our fine food might have to tighten our belts a little bit more. And maybe that's not a bad thing. But it seems like the days of plenty that this book talked about back in 2000 are well and truly over. And we can't see them returning for the foreseeable future. Addressing the people of Israel as they stand on the threshold of entering the promised land of Canaan, Moses paints a delectable picture of the prosperity that awaits them as they enter a land with its abundant water sources. It's a land that produces wheat and barley and grapes and figs and pomegranates and olives and dates. A land where you can grow enough food to sustain the entire population because they didn't build on every scrap of it. It's rich in minerals of iron and copper. But when you get there, Moses says, when you're enjoying all this abundance of natural goodness, be careful. Don't let your enjoyment of all these luxuries make you complacent. When you've eaten your fill and are relaxing in your fine house, secure in the abundance of your herds of cows and flocks of sheep and the size of your bank balance and interest rates going up again, make sure you don't make the arrogant mistake of attributing your wealth to your own success. It's not down to you, Moses says. Your capacity to generate wealth and the plenty that you enjoy, these things come from God and are benefits of his covenant with you. So don't forget the Lord your God, Moses says. Don't let your heart become fat and lazy and indifferent and complacent and forgetful. Whatever you have ultimately comes from him. And he says to the people of Israel, don't forget the way in which he led you through the wilderness, how he kept you safe there, how he provided water for you to drink, how he provided manna from heaven for you to eat, which no one had known about before. And in that situation, when they were up against it, where they were daily dependent upon God for their daily needs, all they could do was rely on him in humble trust. There's no water, God provided. What are we going to eat? Day by day there was manna for them to eat. Remember the lessons God taught you then, Moses says. The days when it was a struggle to make ends meet and you relied on God and God was faithful. Don't lose that dependence upon God. Remember the hard lessons you learned because there's a real danger that your heart could be so taken up with enjoying all the good things in the promised land that actually you won't bother keeping his commandments anymore. And if you make that mistake, then that complacency could end up destroying you. And as we look back over the past, what is it, 60 years in the UK with the, the economic growth matched by spiritual decline, is there a lesson for us there as well? And the key lesson that Moses says God wants his people to learn is this, 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what God wanted to drum into them all those years in the wilderness, that dependence upon God for their daily needs. Remember that lesson when you've got more than enough. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Don't be so busy feeding your body that you neglect to nourish your soul. Material things, physical comforts, money in the bank, these are all good. These are all things to be enjoyed. But if these things become the be-all and end-all for you, if they become what it's all about, the goal in life, if you become so taken up with enjoying these good things that you neglect God and your spiritual well-being, then you are going to end up in big trouble. We don't live by bread alone. We need every word that comes from God to be whole as people. I mean, food is a basic necessity, of course. Without it, we would starve. We need it to survive. We could subsist on an unpleasant diet of bread and gruel, but that would, that would not be enjoyable. Let's remember that lots of people only survive by eating that kind of basic diet, just enough to keep them going. But that's not God's ideal. That's not how God wants it to be. As creator, he made all things richly for us to enjoy. He made food in its abundance and its goodness and its tastefulness. And, and it, one of the, the delights of life is to enjoy a good meal. Um, God could have made food like medicine. You've got to have it, and the worse it tastes, the better it is for you. But that's not, that's not how God put things together. God gave us food that's good and enjoyable so that we could delight in it and enjoy it. Hallelujah! But let's not forget, as we enjoy our food, that that's a luxury denied to millions of people in the world today. And something that we should never take for granted. And we live in a world where some people regularly eat to excess and other people starve. And that's an issue of justice. And we may not live right next door to them, as happened in times past, but nevertheless, globally, that is the way the economic market is rigged. And one of the sins of the city of Sodom was that the inhabitants were overfed and they took no action to help the poor and needy. It's an issue that the whole global economic system is rigged in such a way that most of the food is produced for those who already have more than enough and to spare because they can afford it. And those who need it don't have access to it. That's always been the case on a local scale. It's now, that, it's now the case on a global scale. There is something wrong with a system which means I can eat to excess while others starve. Just as we said there's something wrong with the system which means we are throwing tons of food away simply because it's past its sell-by date while other people do not have enough to eat. We live in a world where things aren't as they should be. And it's an awareness of that kind of injustice, that kind of disparity that helped put gluttony onto the list of the seven deadly sins. That sense of, I can have more than I need and you don't have enough. It's the wrongness of that that puts gluttony right there up in the top seven. At its most basic, gluttony is eating because you want to, not because you need to. And where food is a limited commodity, 
where if, if something that goes into my mouth means it's not going into yours and you are hungry, that's wrong. There's something sinful about overindulgence or waste. So eat what you need and eat food that you enjoy and thank God for the luxury of being able to do that. But beware of overindulgence. How we eat what we eat is an indication of the extent to which we are governed by reason rather than driven by our natural appetites. It's all part of self-control, really. St Thomas Aquinas and others have distinguished five ways in which gluttony can be manifested, and it's quite all-encompassing, really. You can approach food or drink hastily, eating too rapidly, gulping it down. As a gift of God, food and drink should be savoured and enjoyed and eaten slowly and carefully. How many times do you chew? That's what health experts say. How many times do you chew your food before you swallow it? The more times, the better it is for you. And you show you, you, show you, you value God's gift of good food by taking time over the meal rather than bolting it down. And health experts will say as well that the quicker you eat the food, the worse it is for you and the less your digestion can cope with it. So take time over your food. Don't be so greedy that you just rush to eat it. That's one of the ways in which gluttony manifests itself. Consumerism doesn't help. We still, even you know, 25 years on from the year 2000, we still to some extent expect that we should be able to go and buy whatever we want, whenever we want it, in the quantity that we want it, and of the quality that we expect. Consumers still are king to some extent. And Aquinas would say that that expectation is itself a form of gluttony. The fact that I can have what I want, when I want it, how I want it, just that sense of arrogance, he says, is a form of gluttony. Some people, thirdly, are fussy eaters. They will only eat certain foods prepared in certain ways. And that's not because of allergies or intolerances, because let, let's recognise that these are, are real issues that some people grapple with, or ethical considerations. I'm not eating that because of the way the animal's been treated or anything like that. But there are some people who simply think that ordinary food isn't really good enough for them. Just needs to be special food that's catered for their particular palate, prepared and cooked in a certain way. And, and that kind of over-fussy attitude, that also gets onto Aquinas' list. There are other people who eat excessively, just habitually eating too much. And that can happen by supersizing every meal, we have regular discussions at home about the size of our plates and how much goes on them. But we have big plates and we don't want to throw them away, so they are there. Uh, so it's, it's the, the, the amount per meal, or it may not be the amount per meal, it might be the amount you consume between meals. Just that constant snacking on stuff throughout the day and sometimes throughout the night as well. And that too, that too can be considered gluttony. But let's recognise that this form of gluttony can be a symptom of some other underlying cause. Sometimes overeating can mask other issues in our lives. So Kim Shernin, author of The Obsession Reflections on the Tyranny of Slenderness, says that what she wanted from food was companionship, 
comfort, reassurance, a sense of warmth and well-being that she struggled to find in her own life, even in her own home. She was feeding her body to try and satisfy an emotional need. And sometimes we do that. We feel, we don't feel good inside and so we eat because it provides us with a degree of comfort. And if that's the case, it's worth stopping and asking, why? Why do I do this? Because finding out the hidden reasons behind our behaviour can be the first step towards dealing with it. But let's recognise, sometimes we, we mistakenly think, if I feed the body, that will make me feel better emotionally. And sometimes it does, because there's a kind of hit to the brain that makes us feel good, but it doesn't deal with the emotional issues, the issues of security that are underlying why we eat. It comes back again. You know, we don't live by bread alone. We need the word of God to nourish our souls and make that difference to who we are and how we live. And then fifthly, some people just eat food that just isn't healthy for them. These days, ultra-processed foods come into this category. Sweet or savoury snacks, ready-to-eat meals that are laden with fat and sauces and artificial sweeteners. And again, doctors, some present here, will tell you that these foods can cause strokes, heart attacks, raise blood pressure. Why do we eat stuff that's bad for us? Because it feels so good. When we eat food that's kind of pumped up with, with salt or sugar, it produces dopamine, that's the feel-good hormone. It produces serotonin, the happiness hormone. All these stuff that's kind of jammed into food makes us feel great in the short term. It provides a chemical hit to the brain, but when that wears off, we are left wanting, sometimes even craving, more. And so we, we eat more because we get the hit to the brain, but that, the, the effect of that begins to wear off after a while. Or if we try and stop eating, there's a kind of emotional down after that. And that's one of the reasons why processed food, particularly if it contains artificial sweeteners, is bad for our mental health as well as our physical health. It makes us vulnerable to depression. There is a sense in which we are what we eat. Fast, ultra-processed food can make you depressed. Apparently, spicy food can make you aggressive. Organic food, it says, can make you happy and hopeful, while consuming high, food high in protein improves motivation and concentration. What we eat affects who we are. That's because all our mood regulators are apparently right down here in the gut, and all the time your gut is telling you, your brain, how you feel at any given time. So there are inextricable links between your well-being and how you eat. Food is powerful stuff. It nourishes the body, but it does more than that. It affects how we feel and how we behave. And simply indulging your physical appetite is not going to do you any good. Bad eating is bad for your physical and mental health. So the moral is, don't let your stomach rule your brain. Let your brain govern your stomach. Keep food as a means to an end, providing the nourishment we need for the body. Don't let food become an end in itself. It's 
One of the things that sin does all the time, it muddles up means and ends, and things that we, we should use as an end to something become a, a means to something become an end in itself, and it becomes the all-important thing. Actually, it should be something for a, a greater purpose. Food is necessary. Enjoy it. But know that then it become the all-consuming thing that drives you. Control your appetites. Don't let them control you, because we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, part of your daily diet should be reading your Bible and opening your heart and mind to hear what God has to say to you through it. Listen for God's word. Let him direct your path. Let him control who you are, how you feel, how you live. Don't let food be in the driving seat. Let God govern your heart and your mind. And hear and believe and accept the word of peace that he speaks to your soul. Accept his offer to welcome you into a covenant relationship with his son Jesus Christ and let his steadfast love and faithfulness provide the security and confidence you need to flourish and do well. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who puts their trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for good food, we thank you for tasty food, we thank you that we have enough to eat. Help us to govern our appetites, not to be driven by them. Help us to find our security in you and not in what we eat. Help us to recognise the importance of, of your word in our well-being. Not just to become physical beings, keeping ourselves going by what we eat and drink, but actually alive on the inside because your word nourishes and sustains our souls and our spirits. We know the saying, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. But help us to live as people who know that, deep within our souls. Enable us to honour you in what we eat and how we eat it and how we use the strength that the food we have provides. In Jesus' name. Amen. As ever, the prayer team is available after the service. If you'd like someone to pray with you, do come out and they will pray with you at the end of the service. But we close by singing, To Him We Come, Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Shall we close by saying the words of the grace together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.